0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Okay, welcome back everybody to Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoy's podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft and I'm here with my normal sidekick, Andrew Geiger, casual Hoya. Um, did anything happen since last time we uh, spoke on here?
1: Nothing. I don't think anything has happened.
0: <laughs> Except everything. Except everything. So, obviously, Georgetown loses two of their top five players. Their season is, I don't. you know, I don't want to use the Bobby Knight term of the season on the brink. But it seemed like there was a potential to really spiral out of control. After losing to UNC Greensboro, losing two of your best players, and then you go on a road trip to play an undefeated Oklahoma State, an undefeated SMU, you know, the walls are kind of closing in, and Georgetown responds and just absolutely, well, they destroyed SMU. The Oklahoma State game was close, but, I mean, that might be the best road trip, it's definitely the best road trip of Ewing's career, and it's probably going to go back even further than that, right? Totally. I
1: mean, I think, I, I guess that has to take exception with Georgetown loses two of their best players, right? I mean, it seems that the team is maybe better off without them. I, certainly two of the most talented players, but best, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, I think the, the guys have filled in for Akinjo, uh, you know, namely Terrell Allen and everyone spelling uh, LeBlanc's minutes have done a, a great job so far. And that's probably an understatement.
0: Yeah. Um... For me, I got to watch the Oklahoma State game live, which is pretty normal. It's very rare. I miss a Georgetown game live. Definitely not home games, but a road game, you know, sometimes life gets involved. I was at my company party at MGM. That was my my efforts were to try and, you know, just DVR the SMU game. Watch it when I get home. Uh Uh-uh all that kind of stuff, my phone is just blowing up. And I'm like, okay, like, is this, you know, I got to look. is it the babysitters or something wrong with my son? Like, what is possibly going on? And all the, all of them are just sort of, it's not really telling me what, it's just saying, oh my God, Georgetown. Oh my God, can you believe this? Blah, blah, blah. So for me, it's like, well, this could be really bad or really good. And, you know, a lot of times when a coach, you know, like when a coach gets dismissed or a best player gets dismissed, sometimes teams can rise to the occasion for that one special moment. And then they come back to Earth. So I'm figuring, okay, they had the big Oklahoma State when They went to SMU and, like, who knows what's going on. They're falling apart. They're playing, you know, players that haven't played yet. And I look at my phone and it's 20 to 2, Georgetown. You
1: know, who, you know who's blowing up your phone?
0: Who's that? The Blair Swish Project. Yes. Um, so <laughs> continue <laughs> with that. By the time I left my party and I finished watching the game at a bar near my house, When I realized what, and I had to go in the back and get them to put ESPNU on and all that kind of stuff. And when I realized what was going on with Javon Blair, I said, oh no, oh yes. This, I need to start tweeting about this because (laughs) we had a call or we had not, we had a caller. We had um, a guy tweeted us quoting one of your funny quotes from the emergency podcast we had, which is when I said, hey, you know, hey, Andrew, hey, Ben, who do you guys think needs to step up? And you said, if you say Javon Blair, I'm going to hang up
1: uh yeah i look I'll, I'll i'll eat it that's fair i think we knew though in fairness that he's going to have games like this the key yeah. with with blair with i'm sorry the blair swish project <laughs> is that he needs to maintain his consistency moving forward if he can even cut some come somewhat close to it we're obviously in good shape um I mean, as someone pointed out on the site he's he's still a career not great three point sh- percentage shooter i think it was in the you might have it right there, but you know, high 20s, low 30s, or whatever it is. Um, but uh, obviously, if he's going to make seven threes in a game, I think we're good, we're, our chances are pretty good of, of beating anyone. Especially yeah, he, considering I think he, he's usually wide open for those three. I mean, that's that's his shot. I mean, no one's going to guard him out there if they have to pay to start paying attention to Blair. Uh, that's certainly good news for everybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was clear that Ewing wasn't playing a guy that can't shoot, right? That was sort of my point, and he had a good freshman year. You know, it wasn't like he didn't shoot 45%, but, you know, he shot, I think he shot like 35%, which that's pretty good. You know, that's the analytics will say it's better to do that than shoot, you know, something from 2%. But it was clear he was going to have a game like that to me. And I think he's going to have a couple more. And um, I just couldn't have been more excited. And, you know, um, it was like, hey, what's going on with you? I was like, look, I have to tweet. There's like three people that follow me on Twitter. um, And I need to let them know that Javon Blair is doing what I foresaw. So many, so many weeks ago. But um, you mentioned it earlier. That, you know, they did lose two of their best players. I know addition by subtraction is court is sort of just one of those you know catchphrases or whatever. But there's clearly something going on. It's only been two games, um, but we are seeing a different Georgetown. Ewing kept talking about as soon as we start believing in we rather than me, we're going to be a better team. And after two games, it's hard not to believe. Not that James Akinjo is not a really good player. I think no one's going to disagree with that. He's a really good. The league voted him Big East freshman of the year. But there just was not it just wasn't working.
1: Yeah, and it's been interesting to hear Ewing's words after these games. It's clearly <laughs> – I mean, he's not mincing his words when he says stuff like that. Like, you know, um, we're now not playing selfish. We're getting everybody involved. The ball's moving. Um, you know the, the sets are, are being run I mean these are clearly I'm not gonna say shots at Akinjo but basically that's the difference they right? are that that's the difference they are. between the team with Akinjo running point and Terrell Allen um, it also kind of makes me look at Ewing as a coach in a different light. and I know it's only been two games and maybe Oklahoma State and SMU aren't as good as their records indicated when we play them um, but it's nice to see offensive sets. Like this is really something that was out of the picture for Georgia, And we were just kinda of like a run and gun, you know, push the tempo squad. Um yeah. with Akenjo leading the point. And now we actually it's interesting. I mean, we're we're running plays for for some of these kids. We're feeding the post well. We're throwing the ball around the perimeter. I mean, even the announcers um who very rarely mention anything that has to has to do with Georgetown and offensive sets were like, wow, you know, look at this ball movement. This is, this is exciting.
0: I think if, you know, obviously the guards, his freshman year were, um, or not his freshman year, but Ewing's first year coaching, his freshman year of coaching, I guess, but his guard Mulmore and Dickerson and Mosley and Blair, but he had Derrickson and uh, Jesse and, you know, Obviously, Akinjo and McClung are much better. It's like an upgrade in guards, but it did seem like his first year, they ran better offense, even if it wasn't always successful, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Um, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Like it's just, it's, it's just different. And I know I said it, well, I think last year I would just tweet and write about it, but this year we've been talking about it. I've always wanted to have McClung on the second team, not because he's not good enough to start, but I thought Georgetown could maximize their value if you had – more if you had more possessions with McClung and Akinjo on, on different units, mm-hmm. and that's what you know. Because every time I would bring up like McClung Shinsar, people would come like, Oh, you're crazy, he's he's you know, why would you bench him? It's like he's not, I'm not benching him, I just want him to get more looks when Akinjo is on the floor, and vice versa, because they, they both can't handle it, they both can't shoot it. So when you go to the teal team, and neither of them are on it like they were doing in the beginning of the year, that's not great, and now we're you well, know, think, obviously, I, yeah, I, I, and I think, and that's to a... You can finish, go ahead. No, I was I, I was just going to say, and that's obviously McClung's not going to average 26 a game, I don't think, you know, Biggie's East, Big East player of the year, that, like or Biggie's player of the week this week. But I think that you're sure. seeing what McClung can be when he gets to be more, more ball dominant and when there's a point guard looking for him, not sort of, you know, looking for himself as well because Akinjo is much more offensively skilled probably than Allen is. They're just different players, and this team really needs a Terrell Allen, and they're very lucky to have him.
1: Right. I mean, I think um we all kind of wanted the uh, McClung Akinjo backcourt to work. Uh, of course, even though, I think we we all recognize that there were sub- pretty substantial limitations to that backcourt um just the way those these two players are. I mean, it's it's difficult to say that uh one was more of a natural point guard than the other, etc. um and obviously McClung could not handle the ball. <laughs> Hold on, Brody, can you go get some water yourself, buddy? I'm on the phone, okay, buddy? Are we, are we having
0: one of those uh, BBC moments?
1: <laughs> Brody, go see mom. She's in her room. Okay, buddy, good job. Okay, I'll be there in a minute. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, he's like a little Mac McClung around here, running around <laughs> screams when you think he's uh, he's in bed. Um, anyway, uh, so yes, M- McClung is certainly more effective in the role that he's played the last two games, running around the court, running off screens, getting the ball in position to score. And he just wasn't doing that with the Kenjo. You know, obviously he had to have the ball more. Um, he was put in a position to distribute more, which I don't think is his natural, his natural role. And then he'd be getting the ball in situations where he'd be forced to create, which I think in turn would piss off the coaching staff if he you know, took an errant shot or did something because he received the ball. It's just a few seconds left in the shot clock, or something like that.
0: Yeah, and I think I mentioned it um, with Ben in the uh, the post Oklahoma State podcast. Uh, Matt McClung, mayor of Stillwater, in that he, in in that game, he took a he, he took a three from almost half court, and yeah. Now Ewing can't really bench him for things like that, if that makes sense. So he kind of gets an ability to sort of like try out what's you know kind of test where he is that game like he's kind of a streaky shooter he can kind of do things with knowing like I'm not going anywhere I'm I'm not, I'm not saying he's he's you know he needs to be selfish or whatever but I think it's sort of calming for a player knowing that you know your first mistake you get to stay out there longer same thing you could you could say with Javon Blair like he was kind of coming in particularly last year and like some this year too he come he doesn't play a lot he comes in if he misses two shots he's gone well now they they sort of need him so yeah. he gets more of, like, you know, a, more of, like, a rope to deal with before he gets yanked.
1: Yeah, the leash on all these kids is, is much longer now because, frankly, they're, you know, with, with, with Akinjo and LeBlanc gone, the the depth isn't there anymore. So, you know, that has its pros and cons. Obviously, the, the con is that, well, kid gets in foul trouble, you're kind of screwed. But the pro is that it gives them more confidence out there. Just like you said, if you miss a shot or you do something, you know, throw a ball out of bounds or whatever – you're not getting yanked. And I think that was really dragging on. It seemed like it was dragging on McClung early in the season when he knew if he did something wrong, you would take him out. I mean, he was sitting large portions of games for you know, what appeared to be like a a disciplinary reason when clearly he needs to be on the floor, you know? Um, So now his, his, but his teaching time is done. I mean, he's obviously now counted upon and he's probably going to be our, I would think our leading scorer for the remainder of the season.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy to think that I was pretty confident watching the games, particularly the home games up close, that Ewing was not going to succeed trying to play 11 guys every game. It just, there's too many possibilities of lineups, and it was just too difficult. Particularly, I thought not starting LeBlanc was just a wild idea. But now that he's at nine, that's much more manageable. It's just that I would have never predicted in the beginning of the year that this would be the nine or that LeBlanc and Akinjo would be the two that if you, if you lost them from your rotation, you could still be okay. And I know that I yeah. said that the other day, and I think Ben kind of agreed with me saying they still have nine guys that are capable of making the tournament. I don't think you were as cheery on that, on that outlook in the moment of the night of the emergency pod, but they are. And I think it, it's just, it's just crazy. Well, way it, it all comes out. down to Terrell. Ter- well,
1: because Terrell Allen has been uh, sort of a revelation at the point. I-, I think we knew what he could do based on what yeah. he did at UCF. Um, but what he's done with this offense, I mean, he's just led it perfectly. Um, you know, some, I forget what his exact numbers are, but, you know, the, the, the 10 assists, the zero turnovers, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, he, you know, the, my concern is – and what it's going to be moving forward is if he ever gets into foul trouble um, or when he's off the court, the, the, the ball handling is just not there. there. There were spells even against SMU were up by 20 something. He's out of the game. You know, you've got Mosley bringing the ball up. the things start getting sloppy, you know he gets the ball taken from him or you know the, the, the pass goes awry. and now we don't really have that depth at the point where it was nice where you could rely on someone like Allen. Now you're counting on him, and I'm not sure there's someone behind him just yet who I feel really confident with breaking a press, for example.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, Allen against SMU played 30 minutes, against Oklahoma State played 33 minutes. I think that Mm. his numbers are going to be out there probably, particularly once Big East play starts. I think we're going to see him playing more Definitely, it's it's going to be 30 no, no matter what. Even if even if he gets fouls in the first half, you probably have to roll the dice a little bit with him. If I could just go back to media day, I was talking with a couple of people as we were leaving, and Allen wasn't wasn't one of the kids that was brought out for media day. But based on the fact that I assumed McClung and Kinja would play a ton of minutes, and they brought Mosley out to media day, who obviously Ewing likes, and Mosley is a very calming factor at times I think it's clear Ewing's two years before this year started he liked Mosley on the court Mm -hmm. it's like why did Terrell Allen come here right you're like he's a grad transfer this is his year to try and make the tournament again and you know play a lot it's sort of unusual decision to come here I guess it's coming home but I mean it's it's really great for Georgetown that he did but I remember the time being like why is this guy coming here I don't know if you had any of the same thoughts yeah
1: I, I i mean i i think he was probably sold on a roster that didn't have a you know a true natural point guard on it that he could come in and probably play a double digit minutes a night on a tournament team i mean that's, that's you yeah. know pretty much it and now i mean obviously I for him <laughs> is 2020 you know now he's playing 30 plus minutes a night as the starting point guard for the George ois who by the way i mean I don't know if that net ranking stuff has started to come out yet, but um, impressive Ken Palm numbers.
0: Yes, I am a sudden. Ken Palm guy.
1: Right. So, top thirty was it? Twenty-eight. What was what was the number for us?
0: No, I think people are tweeting in the RPI, which doesn't get used anymore. They were twenty, but Ken Palm, they're forty-six. Which Not bad. Before before the road trip, I think they were like sixty-seven. So they, you know, right. they did they did some pretty some pretty big work there.
1: Yeah, I mean, when was the last um, time we were Do you want to get 46? in? T- well, when was the last time we were 46 at this time of the year? Right? You know, to be, to be ranked 46 before, um, you know, a non-conference schedule before the
0: Syracuse game, um, even heading into so, the East, that's, that's pretty good. So last year, heading into the Syracuse game, they were 101. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> a big difference there, Chief. And uh, – Two years ago, heading into the Syracuse game, the 8-0 and undefeated Georgetown Hoyas were 85. Right. I mean, this is a, a massive improvement.
1: I mean, a lot of that obviously is the schedule, but you got to win the games in your schedule, too. Um, right. So, you, I, I, go, I mean, you're right. This is just a, a huge road trip. Probably the most successful that I can remember, especially given the, uh, the circumstances. Which, if you'd like to segue into those, we can get to those now, too.
0: Let's pause for a second. So, whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com it's magical hey, we're back so yeah, George had that incredible road trip, and at the beginning of the SMU game, which I watched later on DVR just to relive the magic um <laughs> it was on ESPNU and they had this they, they didn't do it for the Oklahoma State game, which was on ESPN plus and was kind of weird um. But for the ES, for the ESPNU game against SMU, they had like this huge thing that just outlined all of Georgetown's problems since losing to UNC Greensboro, and it looks like maybe there's some new information today that you want to talk about.
1: I mean, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's just that okay. uh, Gardner had his has had his hearing, and it seems like the parties involved have all agreed to sort of a one year stay away, which. Um, basically means that they're going to agree to stay away from each other uh, while the school conducts this investigation and pending any result of that investigation, we'll see what happens at the, at what might be another hearing for the, the civil complaint. So um, in the meantime, I think that Alexander and Gardner are going to continue to play, which frankly they should, because these are, al- these are just allegations at this point. I mean, obviously yeah. there was an incident Um, I'm not condoning any behavior that went down, but I've had some conversations with some people that, uh, that I respect who tend to know things, who, um, you know, I've known for a while. And, um, what I understand is that there are several inconsistencies with what exactly went down at the incident. And when you have inconsistencies like that, those need to be investigated. And the school is taking its time to do that, as it should. And pending the results of that investigation, um, we'll see what punishment is, is doled out. But until then, the players have the right to play.
0: Yeah, which I think, obviously, you know, people outside of the program did not find out about this until LeBlanc and Kinjo decided to put their names in the transfer portal. Right. So Georgetown had known about this the whole time, and they were obviously handling it the way they wanted to handle it. So, well, it's when a, it's people,
1: not, it's not the, the way they, It's not. The, there's a difference there. It's not, it's not okay. the way they wanted to handle it. It's the way they're required to handle it. Like okay. on campus, well, conduct investigations are not for public consumption. These are, these are, these are handled internally, um, because there are privacy rules and such. And well, I meant sort of, yeah.
0: I meant handling it the way they ha- they want to handle it in terms of spending players for playing. That's something that they could choose on their own to do. Sure, I mean, in theory, Ewing could
1: have said, "All you guys aren't playing until." Right. We have we have and, some
0: clarity. Right, and that that's all. I, I was just making the point that since this wasn't yeah. new news to Georgetown, so they were already right. playing, even though it broke to the public in the way that it did by people searching court, you know, cases or whatever it is obviously right. they weren't going to change what they were doing that that's on the point I was trying to make is Got you know.
1: yeah uh, from what I understand about that is that so we, we know this incident happened in September um, you know season starts a couple months later um, my understanding is that the situation was vetted at high levels within the school and again it was determined that there are some inconsistencies which were reported on behalf of the victims and from what the players told from their side of events. And the school as a result decided to let uh, Gardner and Alexander play in the opener and beyond. As far as LeBlanc's one game suspension, um, I don't know whether that was as a result of his involvement or a combination of his involvement plus, some other stuff that went down, you know, because clearly Gardner and Alexander didn't get one game suspensions um, or DNPs as it were. um, And LeBlanc did. I think LeBlanc probably had some other stuff going on and uh, that ultimately led to his decision to just essentially leave the program and transfer.
0: Yeah. And that's the million dollar question. And we're only ever going to hear one side of that, right? Like at some point LeBlanc resurfaces somewhere there might be some sort of, you know, LeBron, you know, learns from, you know, an adverse situation and, you know, he's flourishing somewhere else. He might tell his side of the story as far as, you know, why he wanted to leave or he might never do that. In either way, you're never going to get a rebuttal from Georgetown. So we're never really going to know unless, you know, some it's it's going to be unlikely that that actual story comes out. But guess what? Right now, it doesn't really seem to matter. Um <laughs> well, it matters. It, it
1: matters in the sense that obviously there there are victims here, um and you know I don't want to cast aside what they actually might have done as. Oh I, yeah, I, I was so just talking. Obviously, about that. I know you're not. I know That's you're not the doing the same. Yeah, i obviously, I know what you mean, um but I do think LeBlanc's version of events will be like, oh yeah, you know, I just didn't like playing for Patrick. He wasn't giving me enough this or that right. or whatever. um And you're right, we're never going to hear actually what happened for Georgetown because again this stuff isn't for for public now if for whatever reason it goes to a court proceeding then it's all going to come out but i doubt that ever happens very highly
0: yeah yeah i was i I was more meaning like you know if he didn't play the first game because of some basketball related issue or something i was saying that i definitely was not trying to um yeah take light of these you know these charge you know these allegations and stuff like that so I'm just no, trying to I mean you. Every,
1: everyone everyone thinks you're a bad guy
0: but you know I've known I've known you for a while and you you're not a bad guy. Um so speaking of bad guys um <laughs> Georgetown initially and you know what every time I tweet the the AP poll there's always some no. little like issue like it's always someone didn't get the right amount of votes or you know when I like, I was sitting there waiting and I was like it was like, during lunchtime and I I saw the poll come out and I, I thought George Shaw would get some votes just because they had a pretty good week, you know. Yeah. And they didn't get any. You know, DePaul got one because they finally lost. And Marquette was other receiving votes. And then I'm back at work doing stuff that no one cares about. And it turns out that the Dallas or the Dallas guy from the Dallas Morning News—it's an AP poll. The AP writers don't vote in it, so I feel like it's sometimes misleading for people. Just the AP just runs it, but the voters are outside the AP. So Blom, who is a Syracuse guy, and must have been so impressed by Georgetown's trip to SMU, decided to rank the Hoyas twenty-two. So the Hoyas are back yes. in the other receiving votes category.
1: Yeah, we got we got four votes. I think we were um, <laughs> we were being called Georgia in the other yes. receiving votes category. Yes. Um, which obviously is confusing to any moron who allows their, you know, kids to fill out the ballot, which I'm sure is just what's happening with these things. Um which is why I say the rankings really don't mean anything. Well, well it does matter You might want to take that off. back.
0: Because oh. on Sam Blum, Syracuse alum Sam Blum, he's got Georgetown ranked <laughs> ahead of Villanova.
1: <laughs> well then why should I take it back? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so clearly clearly the polls carry a lot of water right exactly
1: it's just it's nice to have a top 25 ranking but really when you when you look into these polls and again who's voting and how much time they spend actually looking at the teams they're voting for it's really quite meaningless do
0: you want to go through some of the questions
1: the the twitter questions yeah do it yeah yeah
0: okay um Matt Rosenthal at Matt Rosenthal five. Do we have to abandon any and all hope that LeBlanc decides to come back to the team? I say, yes, I think he's gone.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think anyone had any hope. Um, I respect that Matt Rosenthal five did, um, but yeah, there's he's gone. And does anyone really want him back from what I understand? Um, wasn't exactly the best chemistry guy. So, uh, I think we're better off about' them.
0: next well, I think the way that the initial press release from Georgetown was written was kind of odd, in that I think it just said something like they've decided like they will no they will not be on the team any you know for the rest of the season, and they're considering transferring you, you know what I mean It was the, sort of
1: the the school has completely botched the release of any information pertaining to. Their decisions to transfer, um, and then the, the incidents, because it seems like they're all kind of lumped together when they're they're very distinct issues. You know, Akinjo is completely separate from from all of this. Um, you know, and LeBlanc decided to transfer, not as, not really because he was involved in all these, in, you know, the incident on campus. The I don't know who put out the press release from from Georgetown. I can probably say, and you may be able to attest to that, if, if Mechs were still around, that this probably wouldn't happen this way. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't know who, who's guiding the ship now, but uh, they probably should have taken more time before they released the statement. Well, I think,
0: I think ultimately it kind of comes from the head coach and sort of the way that they want the message to be out there. Has been my experience. Like, I, I don't think that something gets out there that the coach doesn't want to be out there and I, the the reason i say it was it was worded we oddly based on this guy asking the question is it sort of does leave the door a little bit cracked in that they're considering transferring i would have to look up the exact words but it it didn't seem like they're at, like they're out of here it was just like they're not on the team the rest, the rest of the year but it, when you say that it sort of be like well are they back next year that's sort right. of the reason and, i think
1: that yeah and my my thing is they had the initial release that you're referring to, then Lee Reed had to come out again to clarify and explain, you know, the next day. And then Ewing issued some statement like two days later. So you you essentially had three entities issuing statements about the same event that probably could have come out in one statement if they just took the time to think it through and use their language properly.
0: Matt Gross msg hoyas possible landing spots for akinjo and leblanc recruiting needs slash grad transfers i've talked to a couple people that as no surprise akinjo who is from oakland has yeah. been there's been talk of some you know the very the very powerful mid-major out on the west coast if everyone knows who i'm talking about uh as or well as <laughs> I I've heard, you know, I I've heard Cal. Um yeah.
1: I I've, I've heard Gonzaga uh Oregon. I mean, you know, any of these logical landing spots for a talented um point guard makes sense especially if he wants to return home. Um you know, caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware for those head coaches, really. I mean, I, he again, Georgetown's little re- mini resurgence here with him out of the lineup is not doing him any favors on the transfer market. And that might sound silly. Like what does one really have to do with the other, but when a talented kid or so-called talented kid, or at least a kid who thinks he's really talented or his uncle thinks he's really talented um, <laughs> and then tweets about it a lot, um, leaves the program and all of a sudden that program who's expected to then tank does much better Um, that certainly raises a few eyebrows about the kid himself. But best of luck to him moving forward.
0: And as far as LeBlanc, I assume he might be heading maybe down to your neck of the woods. I mean, maybe this might be the trade for Galen Alexander. I could see sort of Galen coming from LSU via JUCO and then LeBlanc going down that way. Makes sense.
1: You know, LSU would be a good landing spot. Maybe maybe comes to Tulane. Who knows? Ron Hunter is now the coach at Tulane. Um, I mean, he could probably be a dominant player at Tulane rather than be a bit piece at LSU. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he goes somewhere in Mississippi. It really depends on uh, – I don't even know how many scholarships LSU has available, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I would expect that he returns somewhere closer to Louisiana.
0: The, one of the – since, you know, LeBlanc didn't – you know, he didn't play the first game. He wasn't starting. He was – I think against Greensboro, he played 11 minutes, which was wild. Although he was negative 18, as Patrick pointed out post game, One of the big roles he was uh, tasked with, and I think he took it upon himself, was he was the Jersey leaker on the team. So hmm. he was, you know, wh- whether they were going with the title blue or the white or whatever, he was he was posting it hours ahead. So I don't know if anyone's going to step up and fill that role. But that was definitely I something don't care,
1: that... I don't care if the jersey leaker is, but whoever it is that's actually choosing jerseys I have major issues with. And really, since the, these kids have left, I mean, the white uniforms have yet to make an appearance. <laughs> I hope, like I was almost hoping that in Lee Reed's statement, it'd be like, oh, and by the way, um, the white uniforms are gone too. Like, that's really what I was kind of hoping to see. And, you know, I haven't seen that, but really, <laughs> if they can't come back, I mean, at this point, it's it's a death knell. You come out in the white uniforms, you were losing the game. Yet we keep wearing the white uniforms. I don't get it. It's
0: definitely not. No one like
1: no one likes the white uniform. Who likes the white uniforms? Are you gonna buy you're gonna buy your kid a white uniform, like a white Georgetown uniform? No,
0: stupid. They just all end up getting used in the dress like a Hoya contest that happens during one of the media timeouts during the game.
1: <laughs> well, at least they have some function because they're. I mean, when the players wear them, the team loses. So I, I don't know who it is in, inside the program that actually likes these things. I, I haven't really spoken to a fan that likes them.
0: So what's it's not? Yeah.
1: What are we doing? What are we doing so, here?
0: <laughs> Kyle Ehrlich, Big Earl, what should the new Jack? What should what should Jack's trick be? They roll him out on a Jeep. Era has been lackluster, as was skateboarding. He misses the <laughs> box eating days. Hashtag Hoya Saxa, not Hoya season.
1: Yeah, man. I uh, great question. That's probably my favorite. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I had a I hashtag, had a guess so. that you'd like it.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, back in the day when Jack would come out and you know eat that box and all that stuff, and that that was great. The skateboarding stuff was kind of cool, I guess. But then it was kind of sad, like when it didn't work. And then right the the thing with the truck is uh, i mean it's unique but
0: (laughs) like
1: kind of weird i mean i don't know uh i i the whole point of having a bulldog as a mascot is to see the bulldog you know show some sort of aggression towards the other team right so the eating the box thing is something that I really wanted to see. Like when he eats like a Syracuse, like an orange plush toy against Syracuse that right. you know, gets the fans, gets the fans riled. This being chauffeured around in like a glorified bullpen car doesn't really do much for me.
0: I'm hoping that they're just sort of easing him in. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, I, I don't really know. Yeah. You know, LSU has a tiger. You know, they bring out the tiger and the tiger like roars and stuff. That That's pretty cool.
0: definitely cool there's also a level of uh (laughs) fear involved in that um hey you know it'd actually be crazy if we didn't talk for and we have only a couple minutes left here in the crazy week that happened there was good there was bad we didn't talk about terrence williams decommitting
1: uh yeah so real quick on that i'm not sure whether the stuff on canvas had anything to do with that in fact i think that the kid use the news as a perfect time to slip out of his commitment. And I think, in hindsight, a lot of the, the recruitment of Sibley makes a lot of sense there because we were all wondering, well, how are they really going to fit? Got a lot of forwards. Well,
0: I think the They, just, they just brought that in Williams... three freshman centers. I mean, clearly roster composition doesn't totally I, yeah. matter.
1: But I have to think that they didn't think that his commitment was really a firm one and that it was sort of tenuous. And okay. they probably... I don't think this caught them out of the blue at all. And I don't think the news cycle had anything to do with it. I think that, um, I, I think that Williams used the the, the news surrounding As the a shield to get out of it. And the timing of it made it look really bad for us, right. understandably. Um, but I don't think it had anything to do with uh, what's going on. I just old. think
0: that when he didn't sign his letter of intent when everybody else was doing it, I knew mm-hmm. that was really bad news. And people tried to be like, well, this is what kids are doing now. They're leaving themselves open until until spring. Well, that's not great because coaches at other schools are going to keep recruiting you. So if you want to get rid of that noise, you sign where you've decided to commit to. So when he did do that, that seemed, that seemed not not optimal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I was going to say, big picture. He's not some
1: generational talent. I mean, he's we, we can we can do just fine without Terrence Williams. I understand what what he meant, you know, to, as a local recruit, blah blah. But we'll we'll be just fine.
0: Well, you're taking it better than I am because I actually I I, I put out there that I thought that this was Ewing's most important recruit, and I know when we first started this podcast that. That was that was the biggest – that was, like, I think our second or third podcast was they got a they got a top 100 local guy, and, you know, Georgetown needs to be built on local recruits, and I thought that was a big deal. I said it was their best recruit. Some people pointed out that Akinjo was probably better. To me, Akinjo was a little bit different and that he had – he was, you know, he was sort of like Terrence where, well, he had to get out of his intent letter, but he'd committed somewhere else. So it wasn't like, you know, they got a kid that, you know, was theirs initially. So I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a really a really big deal. Yes, he's not he's not he's not a top a top twenty kid, but I think being a top one hundred local kid could have, you know, gotten some other local players and that kind of thing. So I'm kinda looking at it from fine. that angle. It, it,
1: it, yeah, it's fine. I I don't disagree. I'm just saying he I mean he's obviously not coming now, so um it's it's just not that big of a hit. I mean he it's not like he was a top ten kid. He was in the seventies, eighties, top one hundred. There are other kids right. out there like him. If they're not local, that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, it's the talent that comes in, not the talent that you know might come in as a result of this kid coming in that we can really count on.
0: Well, we have to get out of here, but we will definitely be back this week again. We don't know when yet, but it's Syracuse week. We have to talk about yeah. them and all of their issues. Um, just want to point out to everyone, all the new listeners, we're glad to have you. All the original listeners, thanks for sticking with us. We want to just point out that we are a – a podcast that has now been mentioned on a national podcast as being those guys from casual. So that's a <laughs> huge, a huge moment in our podcasting um, first season. <laughs> um, you can find us on every place you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple music, Google podcasts um, at casual Hoya, Andrew Geiger. You have a parting shot.
1: I mean, now we've got to focus in Syracuse. I mean, this is this is it rivalry game. Um, We'll uh, we'll take a look at Q's and we'll get back with everyone in a couple of days.
0: Sounds good. Um, I'm Bobby Bancroft and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later. See you.